The Jazz preseason has come to an end. Rachel and I give our thoughts on the future of the Utah Jazz as the season starts this upcoming week. Plus, we look over the amazing win that Utah had over USC and look forward to their matchup against the ASU Sun Devils coming up on Saturday. That's all right now on The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Richie, we have had a crazy week in sports in terms of the Jazz and, of course, the Utes. What a game on Saturday. Can't wait to dive into that one. (laughs) And, of course, we're going to preview the actual NBA season, which is coming up next week. And, of course, the Utes are playing ASU tomorrow. We'll talk about that game as well. As, of course, we always start out talking about the Jazz so let's dive right into it. So the preseason just ended, and I feel like we were we talked about it a little bit last week, but we were really able to see kind of what that team was like and kind of the new feel for it. Um, we really got to look at the depth, too. Obviously, some guys are released and are going to go play for the Stars, right, during the regular season. But we got to see some of the different rotations that Quinn put in and kind of see what the, what the vibe is with the Jazz. So looking after the preseason has ended, what are your, what are your vibes from this new Jazz team? Um, okay. So I, we, we both went to the game on Wednesday. Right. And I mean, I've watched most of the preseason games. Um, I think we played the Spurs twice in the preseason and neither one of those were like televised really well. And it was hard to find any streams that were showing them or anything. Um, but just kind of like my first glance looking at this jazz team, it seems like we have even more chemistry than we do than we did last year. Um, I think continuity is really underrated in the NBA. And that's, I think that's a big reason why dynasties have happened throughout the NBA. Like the warrior, the warriors had their dynasty just barely. Um, I think the heat had a dynasty for a little bit as well as the Spurs. And you just look back and there's always been these dynasties and these teams that have kept the same guys and have just run it back over and over again. And it's just worked and it doesn't always work the first couple of tries, but they figure it out. And so looking at this Jazz team, I'm not saying we're going to be a dynasty. I think that's a little bit far-fetched. But I do think we have that continuity that it, um, a team needs to be able to be a contender and a championship contender. And I think that's something that the Jazz have really been working at the, these last couple of seasons is they've been trying to get the right guys and then keep the right guys. And that's why I'm really happy that we 
brought back Mike Conley. I love that we brought back that we've brought um, Joe Eagles, that we signed Jordan Clarkson. And I mean, just looking at our whole roster, it's pretty much the same. But then on the other hand, we brought in a couple of new guys. And these guys are guys that have instantly been able to fit. Um, I think Rudy Gay is one of those guys that can just, you could put him on any team in the NBA and he would just be an instant fit. Um, I really like Hassan Whiteside. I think he has struggled in preseason until that Bucks game. And then he looked like he was ready to play some good backup five minutes. And I think he'll be a really solid, a really solid backup option for us. And they'll mesh with the team. It sounds like he's already playing Warzone with it, with the team, with Rudy every day. Um, so he's building that chemistry. And, and I think that's been like kind of a question about um, Hassan Whiteside in the past is how good of a teammate is he? And then you have Eric Pascal, and he just instantly fits into everything the Jazz are trying to do. I know he's had to um, work on trying to take more threes instead of mid-range jump shots, but he's shown through preseason that that's what he's going to do. Um, I don't think his three-point jump shot looks pretty, but it looks like it's going to be sustainable. And I think that's all you're going to be hoping for from your four or five coming off the bench. Um, and so just all around, like, I'm happy with the new additions. I think our starting lineup is going to play even better than they did last year, um, injuries permitting. And I think that it's going to be a really solid year for the Jazz if they can stay healthy. And that's the big if, right? Yeah, we, we've talked about that before. And I think basically every NBA analyst has talked about health is a very important aspect and critical component when it comes to playoff time. Going back to talking about the, the different energy from this team, I, I also feel like the leadership has kind of stepped up in a way, just like you're saying, we both went to that game on Wednesday, just from the way I was able to look at how the players were reacting. It's crazy to think that it's Don, it's only Donovan's fifth year in the league, which for a superstar, which he's aspiring to be, is not that long, right? He's still got, a, he's, he hasn't even hit his peak yet, but it, it just seems like he's such a well-developed player and, and such a captain for this team at such a young age. And I think Rudy is now hitting you know, he's, he's getting towards that, that top and maybe, you know, going on his way down to decline. We don't know yet, but he's also, it just feels like there's a lot more vocality with this team. And like you said, it just seems like they might have a little, they have more team chemistry than the team that we saw last year. You went through all the guys that kind of stood out to you in, in the preseason. Uh, I, I, I think that as much as Jordan Clarkson did last year, I think he can contribute so much more this year to the jazz. Um, that game that, that we saw, I think he had like 18 points, had, had a great game against, against the Bucks. I, I especially think that he can be such a critical um, aspect of this team come playoff time, especially when it comes to scoring. Because at least from what it looked like, what the Bucks have been doing in the offseason, Giannis has been working on his jump shot. It seems like this has now become a shooting league in, in the terms of you really have to have such an incredibly good offense if you want to make it far in the playoffs. That's why the heavy favorites are the Nets, because you have so much offensive firepower. It's incredibly difficult to sustain yourself if you can't match what they're putting out on the court. So what the Jazz are doing, again, it's it's still that same three-point shooting. You know, they're trying to get all those points on the board. And Jordan Clarkson, when he has it on, he's on. Again, when he doesn't have it on, it's not that pretty to watch. But boy, when he knows how to put the ball in the basket, it just seems like he doesn't know how to miss. And against the Bucks, it was one of those nights where his shooting was really just outstanding. Um, so looking looking back, especially in that specific game against Milwaukee, 
Was there anything, any play, anything specific that stood out to you? Um, I think the player I was watching the most, uh, the player I was watching closely was Jared Butler, just because I want to see what he was like in person. I wanted to see if the stuff he's doing would translate against all NBA defenders and Drew Holiday and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I was really impressed um, the way he was playing in the second half. He kind of had a rough first half. I think he had maybe one bucket. Um, And then in the second half, he really stepped it up. And so the Jazz, we stopped playing our starters in the second half, but the Bucks they kept running with their guys, um, probably just getting some more practice reps. And to be fair, it's preseason. These guys aren't going at 110%. Um, I think that's worth noting. But I also did see that Drew Holiday was making a defensive effort. I saw that Giannis was making a defensive effort. And, I mean, it's pretty much just like a practice. Like, they're going through the motions in practice. They're not just – walking around they're they're giving it something right um so i was really curious to see curious to see how jared butler would handle that and handle that pressure and i thought he did a really good job i thought he made some great decisions um from a playmaking perspective as well as from um, a scoring perspective and he's probably the player that stood out to me the most in that second half i also think um some of those guys that we kept around some of those guys like the number 13 14 15 guy on the bench I think um, some of those guys might be able to see minutes and be able to contribute. One name I looked at that I thought was really fun uh, is Elijah Hughes. And he had he had one play where he um, went up for a dunk and totally just blocked himself at the rim. The ball slipped out of his hand. But he also had a lot of good, um, good shooting, and he pretty much got the Jazz back into the game after they started losing. Um, and I think – when you look at an NBA roster, it's just important that it's competitive. And it seems like this roster is all around competitive, that you have these guys and even like the 13, 14, 15 spot on your roster that are going to be able to um, be competitive in practice and guys that have been around the system for a while. And I'm kind of happy that we fixed some of our holes maybe in the middle of our roster, but that we kept the guys at the end of our bench because I think those guys are guys that are going to be able to continue developing, continue improving and maybe they'll have their shot. Um, but just when I look at this Jazz roster, it's it's really solid and it's competitive all around. And I think having that atmosphere of being competitive is what's going to lead the Jazz to have a successful season. Um, again, it's preseason, so you really can't make bold assumptions like the Jazz are going to go 82-0 and or they're going to be a 60-win team just based off of preseason. But looking at preseason, looking at last season – looking at development and just the way that this Jazz roster has improved, I think it's going to be a really good season for the Jazz. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, metrics out there that basically are predicting that the Jazz can have a Phoenix-type run this year, which I really hope that they do. I, I, I Like we've just been talking about, this roster is stacked. And even looking at Jared Butler, and I was going to also bring up Elijah Hughes, if, especially in a developmental program and with a coach like Quinn Snyder, I think they have so much room to improve that can really help out this Jazz team as a whole. Um, I, I really loved Butler's command of the offense of that second unit in the second half. Um, I, I just think that he, at such, again, he's not even playing in his first real season. This is only the preseason, but he's able to find spots against Giannis Antetokounmpo, find ways to score against these top tier players in the league already. And so I think he has a lot to contribute to this team moving forward, especially with the type of coaching staff that Utah has to offer. And again, I also like Elijah Hughes' athleticism. I think he's very sneaky. He's able to move around the court pretty easily. 
I, I just think especially with the staff and the way that this Jazz team is set up, this can be a team that can be able to have key players almost at every position at every minute of the floor. I, I never feel I never felt like there was that much of a drop off when certain players subbed in for other ones during the preseason. Again, like we said, it's the preseason. Guys don't go full effort. But I just feel like in terms of talent wise and potential, I just don't think there's a that big of a drop off as compared to last year when again, we'll say it again. I was very concerned when George Nyang came in to the game and he's subbing in for Bogey or someone like that, when it's like there's an extreme talent drop off. But I just feel like, especially with these young guys, there's so much potential moving forward. So going into this next season, I believe our opener is against the Thunder, which is very nice because um, the Thunder are not that great of a team, right? Very much in a rebuilding mode in terms of the whole organization. So what do you want to see out of that first game from the Jazz against the Thunder? Anything specific that you'd like to see them do in their first game in the league? I think the Jazz just have to start out um, being really competitive from the beginning of the season. Um, we had a rough start to our season last season. We started 4-4, and I mean, that doesn't sound that rough, but it was there were some questions being asked. Um, I think all of us were like, oh, man, this Jazz team is not going to be good. Uh, they're going to struggle. We were all worried about Jordan Clarkson. We were worried about Bojan Bogdanovich and his wrist because his wrist in injury was apparent at the beginning of last season. Um, I also think there were some questions about favors, and, and I think that became more evident as the season went, went on. So a couple of the things I'll be watching is how our backup unit does, um, specifically Hassan Whiteside in that center role. I don't think Udoka Azubuki is ready to be playing NBA minutes and to be playing that backup center minutes. I think he has a lot of things that he's really good at, but I also think he's a little bit of a project. And I think he'll, he'll figure his way out into the rotation at some point, maybe not this year, but in the future. Um, whereas Hassan Whiteside, he's, played a lot of NBA minutes. He's played good minutes for pretty much every team he's been on, except for last year on the Sacramento Kings. And I think there's a couple of things you have to watch with him. You have to see how well he's able to impact at the rim because that's where he's been so successful. You also need to see how good of a rebounder is he. And I like that he'll be playing his minutes with Eric Pascal at the beginning of the season because Eric Pascal is a capable rebounder. And so when you have those two guys in, um, I think we'll be getting a lot of rebounds on the defensive end. Um, I want to see how he can impact the offensive glass because a lot of teams are trending where their backup center is a small ball five. And I want to see if we can punish that. I think that's something we should be trying to punish. Um, I'm not really too worried about our starters. I think our starters will be good. I think Donovan's going to take his game to another level this year. Um, we saw a little bit of that in preseason. He was showing different moves, different step backs. And I think he's going to take another level as a scorer. But I'm also really wanting to see Donovan's effort on defense. Um, I think that's been a big question, especially with our starting lineup, is you have Royce and he's been great on defense. Mike Conley is undersized. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich has had games where he's been good at defense, but overall he hasn't been a consistent defender. Um, so you kind of need Donovan to be a defensive anchor along with Rudy and Royce. And if Donovan can step up his level on defense, then the Jazz are going to look like the best team in the NBA again. Um, and so I think that's uh, something that's really important to watch. So overall, I'm going to keep an eye on Donovan's defense and how our backup unit plays. Yeah, that that's basically echoing. My, my big key was definitely defense. 
and specifically on transition defense. I, I just think that a lot of the times the Jazz kind of, you know, foul their way out of transition defense. I'd really like to see them put some effort into trying, if you do make a mistake on offense, trying to correct it. And Donovan's made a consistent effort, like you said, of trying to improve his his defensive side of the ball. And this, the coaching staff has been saying that practices leading up to this season have been super physical, saying players are saying that they're leaving with scars, bloody lips, which sounds kind of weird and scary. But at the same time, I kind of like it because I'm like, okay, these guys are going hard in practice, which means it's going to translate into games if they're doing things right. And so especially in the NBA, especially with all this offense going on, with this Jazz offense, if they can put up a good defense, this is a very hard team to beat, like a very hard team to beat. Because I can count on us having a, obviously over probably a 105 points per game consistently throughout the entire season. I, I just think that's where the league is at right now, and especially with the Jazz, they can put up points. I really want to see, especially at those guard that guard position, how they can do on defense against perimeter shooters and against mid-range guys. Also, Rudy pulling up on a mid-range on Wednesday, he, we've known he's been working at three-point shooting. Do you think we're going to see Rudy take some longer shots this season? I hope so. I think we could use him as a good pick and pop guy. Uh, it's another weapon to have, so we might as well use it, right? Might as well. I was thinking if Rudy could start popping threes, I don't know what this team can't do. I know maybe there's a lot of guys around the league saying they're still critiquing uh, Rudy Gobert's perimeter defending, but you know if he can pop threes, I don't really care. So looking forward to the Jazz. We'll have a lot more to talk about, obviously, next week with the season starting, but the Jazz are on their way. It's it's going to be exciting. So make sure to tune in. I believe it's on Tuesday um, for the – or no, it's Wednesday for the opener against the Thunder. It's going to be a good one. But, of course, the talk of the town has to be Utah football. They got a win last Saturday against the USC Trojans that absolutely nobody was expecting in terms of the way that they performed and dominated. They beat the Trojans 42-26. to Okay, I want your initial reactions after watching that game. Obviously, we were a little preoccupied with a friend's wedding, so we had to kind of watch a recording afterwards. I personally, I shut off all social media notifications. I had to, I told you, I had to delete Twitter because I would naturally, because during game time, I naturally get on during timeouts and when I'm bored just to like update myself. So I found myself at, at, at boring points during the game, I would naturally get on Twitter. And before I could refresh the feed, my brain would go like, no, you can't check. You can't check the score. So I deleted everything. We watched the game a little bit later. So I wasn't able to see the win until almost 11 o'clock at night. It had already been like two hours since we had won. But Richie, I want your initial reactions right after that win. What were your thoughts after the Utes get the dub against the Trojans? Man, that was one sweet game. That was so sweet. That, I think that's a highlight of Utah football that we're going to be remembering for a while. And I think for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's the first time we've won in the Coliseum in over 100 years. I think that in itself is an incredible achievement. And that, is that, that this Utah team, after what it's been through, was able to accomplish that is an incredible achievement. Um, I also think that this was, this was the game you realized that Cam Rising is probably better than you think he is. Um, Cam Rising threw for 22 for 28 and over 300 yards against a USC defense. Uh, I think that's really impressive. And I think that's something that should be noted that Cam Rising is looking to have probably a really good rest of the season. And he's looked like he is just the obvious capable quarter, quarter QB one that we were hoping he would be. And I mean, obviously we had Charlie Brewer at the beginning of the year and he got beat out for that starting position. But I think that's made uh, Cam Rising an even better quarterback. 
Um, this Utah team has gone through a lot of adversity and they've shown how they respond to adversity. And I think it's a really good sign that they were able to um, respond to this loss or to, to the loss of Aaron Lowe with a win at USC. And, and then the next day uh, or two days later to go to Aaron Lowe's wedding or to his funeral, excuse me. <laughs> um, so I just think that just speaks so much to the quality of this Utah team, um, not just as players, but as people and what they're able to do and how they've come together as a team. I also think it's really important to note that uh, Cam Rising threw to nine different receivers. And I think this was Vele's, Devon Vele's breakout game. He had 80 yards and a touchdown. And we just used every single weapon we had. So our, our offense was incredible. I felt like they won that game more than the defense, which it's usually kind of the other way around. Um, our defense was, was great, though. Considering you're going against an experienced quarterback and the best receiver in college football right now in Drake London, who had 16 receptions, almost set a school record for USC. I think it's important to notice that Clark Phillips was great on him. Um, Clark Phillips was a freshman, was just being everywhere on him. And I mean, there's only so much you can do against a player of the quality of Drake London, but I thought Clark Phillips did just about as good as anybody could do on that guy. Um, and so I'm happy for our defense. I'm happy for our offense. I think we played a great game. Yeah, this was this was a game that I it felt like that 2015 game against Oregon. In terms of after a while, it was a game where I was just laughing and having fun because you like you said, it's usually on our defense. We're 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 relying on that defensive front to make step up, make a play so our offense can have a chance. And at this point, the offense was just running away with it. And in those second and third quarters, it just felt like they were taking over. For, for me, Cam Rising, obviously, this was a game where his name was said a lot more. He had an incredible game, like you said. But I think it's he only has that game because of the type of game that the offensive line played. I we I was I've been to multiple, we've both been to multiple Utah games this year. The at the beginning of the season, this offensive line, I, I can't stress this enough, was probably the worst offensive line in the country. I don't think I've ever seen a worst offensive line, especially at the San Diego State game. Boy, oh boy, I threw out some some nasty words because I was just not having it with this offensive line, especially I, I just wasn't expecting it. Obviously, you have some young guys, but there's some natural athleticism and some natural talent um, with those guys up front. And it, I felt like they didn't really get to where they are now until about halfway through that Washington State game. Um, that's when I felt that we were really able to establish a run game against the Cougars and TJ Pleasure kind of had that breakout second half against them. And you look at the stats against USC, Cam Rising was sacked one time and he was pressured four times. That was it. And I think especially with a lot of the plays that we called, those are only possible because of the type of pass protection that Cam Rising had. Um, looking especially at that crazy flea flicker, what a story, right, too. A, a missed call wasn't even supposed to be called but they decided to go with it anyways on a fourth and one 20 seconds before the half and got it. A flea flicker is such a complicated play that needs a lot of time. It especially needs a lot of time to just get it perfectly right because there's just so many moving parts and cam rising was able to effectively throw to Devon Vele, who I think has a lot of potential as a wide receiver. And he was able to have that much time to throw that that's going to be super critical because ASU is the best team that Utah is going to be playing this year. 
um, up to this point. Obviously, they've got Oregon. I kind of want to see what they're going to be looking like after this bye week. But up to this point, ASU is the best team that Utah will be playing. And I think it's because of their defense. They have a lot of returning guys. Uh, and, and their secondary is really good. Their, linebacking, their, their linebackers, I think, are number two and number eight in the conference. Um, Utah's is number one and number three. So we've got a really good linebacking core going up against each other. But I think this is going to be critical for Cam Rising. I, I think this is the quarterback of the future. I think he really has a good arm, very underrated arm. Because before this, we didn't have a lot of long pass plays because of the terrible offensive line. And we actually got to see the ball thrown for a lot longer in the air. Um, I think the, we had our longest pass play to Theo Howard, which I think was for like 50 yards or something like that. And, and now I think we're able to, Andy Ludwig is able to call more plays because if our offensive line is able to produce what they did on Saturday, we can have a lot more diversity in our play calling in terms of um, fakes, sweeps, runs, passes, play action. I, I just think it opens up the playbook when your offensive line plays like the way Utah's did on Saturday. You talked a little about, about a little bit about Cam Rising. Was he your player of the week last week against Saturday? I think it's hard to argue that anybody else deserves it. I think he was definitely the player of the week. I also think a lot of guys deserve a shout, shout out. And I want to give one special shout out to Tavian Thomas because he, he played a great game last week. Um, and especially after his problems with fumbling the ball against Washington State and throughout the entire beginning of the season, it was really good to see him be able to hold onto the ball and have a 100-plus yard game season, or game um, against USC. I thought he, he just looked strong, and I also want to give him credit for when he wasn't given the ball, he was doing a great job at blocking. There was one, there was one play where he blocked and just pancaked the defender. It, it was sweet. And I think that speaks a lot to Tavian Thomas's ability as a running back and his physicality and just how, how big he is and how, um, how successful he was that game. I mean, USC has a good defense. Those are big athletes. Um, their offensive line made our defensive line look tiny and vice versa with our defense, with our offensive line. I mean, those are just big guys, but Tavian Thomas made them all look small. So I think he deserves a special shout out. Um, but I do think Cam Rising deserves the player of the week. Yeah, Cam Rising got national awards basically this entire week from a lot of different sources. Tavion Thomas has running back one ability. Like, it, obviously, if he holds on to the rock, the dude is running back number one. Um, obviously, the running back room at Utah is very deep. And like we've seen, basically every one of our running backs have had a 100-yard rush game um, against different opponents. Uh, Makai Bernard against BYU, TJ Pledger against Washington State, now Tavion Thomas um, against both Weber State and USC. Um, you could definitely see how much he was trying to protect that ball. Boy, he was holding it like it was a baby, man. He was just covering it up. Um, he's not hes not the quickest, but it's just the physicality of the guy. And I, I, I think something that's unique about this Utah running back room is that I think Utah is able to play certain running backs against certain teams because of the attributes that each of them carry. I think Tavion Thomas was a perfect option against USC because USC is just natural athleticism. That's just who they're able to recruit because of their name. And so a lot of the guys that play for USC have NFL builds coming into the program. Tavion Thomas has an NFL build. That dude is thick. Yeah, he, he's just got it all down. And so I think he's able to combat what USC's defense offers him with just his physicality. Like you said, you look at his blocking. He just has that natural athleticism that no coach can teach. You look at TJ Pledger, he's a lot more shifty. And I think 
with the type of offensive line that, that we were kind of working with before this game, he was able to move past those linebackers of Washington State and kind of cook it up in the secondary. Makai Bernard had, for some, I don't know how he did it against BYU, because again, trashy O-line, but he had an amazing game. And I think also it proves he has a lot of physicality, but I also think he's our best check down option when it comes to passing plays. He's our best pass catcher out of the running back room. And so I think they'll bring him in for those types of plays. So I think that's what's unique about this, this Utah team is usually we have a star running back that we count on and he'll have an 1,000-yard rushing season. I think this season's different where they have a lot more options and I think they're going to be able to play certain running backs um, depending on who we're playing and what kind of plays we're calling. So looking ahead um, to ASU, this is a big game coming up. Um, obviously, whoever wins this one is going to have control of the South. And if UCLA loses against Washington this Saturday, it will look very good for whoever wins this game to basically run away with it. So how important of a game do you think this is? Is it the most important game of the year, or do you think there's going to be another game down the road that will be more important than this one against the Sun Devils? I think it's hard to see another game being more important than this game. Um, in my opinion, I'm already kind of chalking up that Oregon game as a loss. And I mean, I'm just not expecting to win that game. Oregon's looking like a really good team. I think it's far-fetched for us to win that game. But we, I mean, we, I feel like this is just, it's number 18, Arizona. Um, UCLA is not ranked right now. And really the Pac-12 South is between Arizona State, UCLA, and Utah. Um, I don't think Colorado or Arizona are going to be making a run or USC are going to be making a run for the Pac-12 South. Um, so I do feel like this is the most important game up to this point for the Utes. Um, I think the thing about football is it's always changing. There's always these upset losses that can change the whole way that um, the Pac-12 is being played. And may maybe that happens, but you can also kind of control your own destiny with this game. If the Utes win this game, we set ourselves up, like you said, in a really good position to be able to take the Pac-12 South and get to the Pac-12 championship. And I think that this, the Utes players have to be looking with that perspective into this game. They have to be looking at like this game like um, like it's pretty much your last game of the season. That you got to leave it all out on the floor for this one. Um, this Arizona State team is good. They, I mean, they're number eighteen for a reason. They're five and one. Uh, they've won five of their last Pac-12 games, and they've looked they've looked great in pretty much every showing except for that BYU game. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is a capable quarterback, and I think our defense is going to do well against him. Um, but you kind of look around where people are predicting this game, and a lot of people are predicting it to be a really close game. These teams are both so similar, and I think that's why it's going to be why this game might end up deciding who wins the Pac-12 South. Yeah, this is a very, very talented ASU team, and I have to agree that I think no matter what happens, because usually it, the more important games come at the end of the season, especially in November, you're getting that's when you really know who's really has a chance of winning both of the divisions. Um, but as of right now, it's very apparent that there's a drop-off between UCLA and then the next person down, which I think might be USC or Colorado. Again, those bottom three teams are just basically out of the conversation. And so now that two of those three teams are playing each other uh, you know, mid-season, this is a critical game. Uh, there's a lot of storylines going into this one. 
Obviously, it's going to be their first home game back since Aaron Lowe passed away, which I'm very interested to see how they they will pay tribute because I know that Utah did such a has done such a great job with um, what happened to Ty Jordan and, and and working and honoring his name. So I'm really excited to see what they do with Aaron Lowe because I just think they have such class when it has been come to these tough issues. Um, so I think it's going to be an emotional game. Uh, it's also going to be an emotional game for ASU. Um, before the season started, it was during Pac-12 media days. They kind of had, I think it was um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, Jane Daniels, and Keon Slovis, three Pac-12 quarterbacks. They kind of had them interview each other. And so they kind of like came up with questions for each other. Jane Daniels came up with the question, well, which team do you just not like to play at all? And so it was the USC and UCLA quarterbacks beside him, right? So their natural inclination was to say, oh, I don't like playing USC. I don't like playing UCLA because of the rivalry. Jane Daniels, he has the option to say U of A, right? Because it's a rival. But he says, oh, I hate playing Utah because they're so physical and it's it's always such a tough game. He's only played us once, but that was by far his worst game he's ever had in his college career. The dude passed for 25 yards for the entire game. For the entire game. It was nuts. It was a rainy game, crappy weather, but the Utah defense was the one that won it for them because the Utah offense in that game against ASU two years ago committed four turnovers and won it 21 to three. Like it was just an absolute blowout should have been more probably because of those turnovers, but the defense was just on Jaden Daniels, butt the entire time. And so I I just think that a lot of college players have, when you, when you lose like that, I think it kind of stays in your mind. I think, especially like in terms of an athlete's mentality, the losses stay in your mind more than the wins do you look back and and those are the ones that you remember more. I think this is a game that Jaden Daniels has remembered. And I think it's not only him, but like I said, this is a veteran ASU team. So most of the guys that are starting now for the Sun Devils played in that game before. And it was such a smash down game that I think they're actually really excited to play Utah again and get a chance to beat them on the road. Do you think that'll play anything into how ASU will play, especially like how that last game went against the Utes? I think it's a really important game for Jaden Daniels. It's kind of a redemption game, at least in his head. Uh, like you, like you said, um, it's one of those games where he's like, he's probably thinking, if I can beat the Utes now and have a really good game against them, then I can just erase that game from my memory. And he doesn't have to worry about that game, that that bad game that he had uh, two years ago. So I think he's probably looking at this game like that. Um, as for the this Utah team, and really for both teams. I'm sure both teams are going into this game with the mentality that this game is going to lead them to the Pac-12 championship. Um, And I think that's going to be a really big factor for both teams um, as far as effort level goes. And I think you're going to be seeing that in both teams, that it's going to be a physical matchup. Um, Both of these teams, like I said, they're really similar and they both excel at defense and have had good offenses this year, relatively good offenses this year. And I think that's what's going to make it a competitive game. Ultimately, I kind of think in this game, defense is, is going to be what's going to win it. I think both offenses are going to have a hard time against the other team's defense. And I think um, Arizona State has a lot of good receivers, but I think Utah is better equipped than we've maybe been in years past to deal with those receivers. And I, I think Clark Phillips is going to be the guy leading that. Um, and I think this Arizona State team, I mean, they're solid. Uh, so as a Utah fan, you're, kind of your first inclination is to be a little bit scared of this team. And they're ranked right now. They're, uh, 
they only have their one loss to the, to the same team we lost to. So it's really hard to tell, you know, how much better they are than us. But it's going to be a competitive game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this is this has turned into a pick 'em game. Vegas doesn't have a line for it, so this they're predicting it's going to be very close. Um, for me, I think the key has to be limiting Jaden Daniels' uh, running ability. Um, I think that's really what sets him apart from a lot of quarterbacks around the league because when um, he, he's a, he's a straight up dual threat quarterback, and I know that term is tossed around for basically quarterbacks who can just run the ball, but he's also a very good passer. He, he's a very good passer. I think his freshman season he he threw, he completed about 70% of his throws, which is amazing for a true freshman. Um, it, I, and for that reason, limiting his running ability has to come down to the linebacking core and being able to limit where he can run. Because once you get past that, the, the front part of the defense, you have a lot of room to run. So I, I can trust our secondary. I think our secondary can be up to the challenge against what his throwing ability has to offer, but it's his running game that sets him apart. He's the second leading rusher on his team. The dude's the dude's crazy when he when he's when he scatters, the dude's really good. So I think it's gonna have to come down to Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell, um, Kareen Reed, just all those guys. And I trust them as linebackers, especially against a dual threat quarterback, because they're so athletic and they can run. I think they're sideline to sideline linebackers. They're guys that I can trust to speedily get out to the sidelines, to cut them off. That's gonna be a that, that has to be the number one thing to for me for Utah to win this game. I think number two also is to take advantage of the home field advantage. I think especially it's, it's so underrated in terms of, especially in college football, when you have the home field advantage, if your crowd is there and they're doing their thing, it, it, it makes it a completely different game. And especially in such a critical game like this, if Rice Eccles is packed and it's booming, that's a huge difference because Pac-12 players all across the league have been saying that it's a super tough place to play at. So I think if, this is a game. There's not going to be any weather conditions this time. If it's a packed place, defense plays well. Utah, I think, has got this one in the bag. I still think it's going to be close. I, I, I just don't see any way that Utah can run away with this one like they did against USC. But I, I definitely think this is going to be a very, very good game. So we're going to do what we usually did. Last week, Rich, you actually did pretty good. You you went out on a limb with your score prediction, and, dude, you were actually pretty close. Which How is- close was I? I forgot what I said. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact score. I knew you it was you kind of went with a blowout type score, which yeah. kind of th- threw me off a little bit. But <laughs> dude, you got it right, man. You actually got it right. Um, so let's let's go with let's go with a score and then go with your game ball of who you're gonna have. What's your prediction and game ball for this this game against the Sun Devils? Okay. Um it, I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I'm looking at um, how many points these teams have scored and allowed. Um, so Arizona State's allowed 33 points a game. Utah or has scored 33 points a game, and Utah scored 30. Um, Arizona State's allowed 16 points a game, and Utah's allowed 23. So th- those are kind of like low scores. You know, there haven't been really uh, too big of blowouts. So I kind of see this being a low-scoring game, uh, combined score of under 50. I'm going to say like 23 21 24 21 utah winning and wow game ball i've i've got a good feeling it's going to be cam rising again i i just i believe in thick boy seven i i think that has to be probably the best <laughs> nickname in all of all of athletics that i don't think there's anyone who has a better nickname i agree I, it's it's the best <laughs> <laughs> um i i definitely think cam this is a game where i think 
I, I think where if Cam Rising has a really good game that people can really start to believe in him as a as a QB one, um, because you know I a lot of people can say that you know people can a quarterback can have one really good game and then just go right off the beaten path. It's hard because I I also really want to say it's a low scoring game. I'm gonna say Utah wins it, thirty one to twenty seven, and I think it's gonna be a game winning touchdown in the final few minutes of the game. I think it's gonna be one of those games. It's hype. It's gonna come down to the last minute, and man, I I'm gonna say the game ball goes to Brent Keithy. I think he's going to have multiple scores this game, and I think it's going to be the winning score. So I'm going to say Brant Keithy gets the game ball. So maybe we should start doing like a prize or something for like whoever gets the closest. Maybe we'll maybe we'll add that onto our social media. We can have people comment. We'll come up with some sort of prize for whoever can get the closest or, or score. Or a punishment. Or a punishment. You know, we're we're fantasy guys. We really like punishment when it comes to fantasy football. <laughs> um. Uh, around the league, though, I think this is a weekend that has a lot of good college football games as well. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I don't know how much you've looked into to BYU football, but they also have a really good game that I'm actually intri- intrigued in watching this weekend. They go up; again, they're on the road at Baylor, which, in my personal opinion, I think this is their first very true road game, which is weird because they're more than halfway through the season now. And again, they had a road game in Vegas. Well, I said you know they started in a neutral game in Vegas, but. That was basically a BYU home crowd. And then their next road game was at Utah State, which, again, is literally just a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Um, so now they're on the road against a Big 12 team, which is their future conference. This is a really big game for the Cougars. Who do you think is going to win that one? Oh, man. Uh, I probably haven't done enough research, but I do think Baylor looks really good this year. Uh, they're 5-1. and one. Their only loss coming to number 12 Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State is undefeated. They're, they look pretty good. Um, I don't know. I think I think Baylor is going to run away with this game. It seems like BYU has kind of gotten worse as the season has gone on. And, I mean, I don't think they've gotten worse. I just think they've, they've played better teams as the season has gone on. And um, I think that Boise State loss was a really tough loss for them. The, the way that they lost, a um, couple of turnovers that they probably didn't want, and I think that that one was is probably one that's going to sting them. So I'm expecting them to come out hot and to come out ready. It's an afternoon game, 1:30 um, at Baylor. It's primetime college football, and I think I think we're going to see a good game. But I think Baylor's going to come out on top. I like that. I think in in terms of BYU's wins this season, they've they've all been like generally really close games. I just think they've been super consistent. They're not spectacular. They're just consistent, and I think that's the reason that they beat. For example, Utah and ASU. A- ASU, again, we, we're talking about them. Very good football team. I just think that crazy play, the punch out by Algier, was like the game changer for him because that's a pick six for ASU and that, that changes that game completely. This is, again, I, st- I still think the B- BYU is consistent, but I just think that in the, especially in this true road game, Baylor apparently goes crazy for homecoming and it's their homecoming game. I think it's going to be a two-score win for Baylor. I don't know how much that's going to be, but I think they're, it's going to be a comfortable win for them. Um, again, there's a lot of good college football this weekend. And jazz season starting this week. Man, it's going to be awesome. Any final thoughts for us, Richie? Dude, we just got to appreciate this time. It's it's the prime time of sports. You got the NBA starting next week. You got college football. You're right in the heart of it. 
the NFL has been fun this year. Um, you got the World Series or the MLB playoffs going on. If you like watching that, go Dodgers. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's it's a fun time to watch sports. Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. That's a that's a good final thought for all of us because you know you really miss it when it comes to June and July, and there's just absolutely nothing going on but baseball. So you know <laughs> we're actually really excited to be watching all these sports at the same time. Guys, thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you guys next week, hopefully after a Utah win. Go Utes, go Jazz, baby. Rich and I would like to thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Thatcher Effect. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to future episodes and invite your friends and family to join us on the ride on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you'd like to hear more about our episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Thatcher Effect Podcast. We'd like to thank Money Wizard for the intro music and the Basketball Podcast Network for hosting us. We'll see you next week.